You are listening to the Gay Florida Man podcast. This podcast is hosted by retired corrections officer Mark DeWolf, who will discuss various topics prevalent to corrections, gay culture, arts and entertainment, as well as current events. Listeners need to be advised that this podcast will discuss situations involving extreme violence, substance abuse, sexual assault, and murder. Details of actual events have been modified so as to protect the privacy of involved parties. Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even the mouse, except for Mark with the Gay Florida Man podcast. This is episode 38, and we are going to be talking about the insanity of gay dating. But before we jump into the podcast, let me just remind everybody to follow us on social media. The Gay Florida Man podcast has its own Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. So make sure you follow us there for more details about things that we talk about on the podcast. Now, today we're going to be talking about the insanity of gay dating. And joining me is my good friend, Barbie, who hasn't been with us since episode one. But she's coming back because she's got some great stories that she wants to share with us tonight. I really don't know what to say about this episode. I can tell you this. It's going to be multiple parts because I am a total whore. Barbie has said the same thing to me. I don't think she's as big of a whore as I am. We're really not whores. We're just slutty. So welcome back to the podcast, Barbie. We're going to have a very exciting episode today as we talk about dating in the gay culture. And you and I have both been through it. We're going to talk about my stories. I have some that are very, well, I'm just not proud of them. And I imagine that you do too. And I know that through the years we've talked about our dating experiences. First and foremost, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thanks, Mark. i I feel like we should probably have done this around Halloween because, uh, you know, it's pretty uh, scary. Um, I'm excited, though, to uh, share some of my uh, horrific experiences oh, God. in the dating scene as a lesbian. Yeah. I'm excited about this episode, but at the same time, Barbie, I'm kind of like scared shitless about this episode because I'm really going to put it out there. I have changed the names of the people that I'm talking about. As we were just discussing a few minutes ago, this is going to be a multi-part episode because I am a total whore. Mark, the list goes on and on and on for me. So yes, I am a total whore too. I've brought it down a little so that I have a few. I have labeled them with demonic names just to (laughs) kind of keep people safe and everything. But yes, you and I both are whores. I feel like this may be some type of therapy for us. Well, I hope so. I hope it brings closure. I've talked about some of the dates in past episodes randomly, but today I'm going to take the bull by the horns. We're going to hit this thing head on. Sounds good to me. Are you ready? I'm ready. Please tell me who are you going to start with today? Well, I'm going to start with when I was in the closet and I was figuring out who I was. So we're going back to 1994, 1995-ish. For the purposes of this podcast, we're going to call this person Dyson. 
And there's a reason behind that that we won't share because, of course, we want some type of anonymous thing about who these people are. Back in 1994, of course, I had this dream about being a police officer. And so I met this person and he worked at a rec center that I used to go and work out at. He worked the counter at the rec center and he was two or three years younger than me. He was Filipino and he kind of gave that vibe. At least my gaydar was saying, you know, you're on the same team. I started a dialogue with this guy and, you know, before you know it, we start hanging out. This is actually when I lost my virginity. No. (laughs) Yes. With Dyson, we ended up in my parents' basement And it was late one night and I'd had asked him, what would you do if I kissed you? And he shrugged. And so, um, you know, it started with a kiss. I don't know what to say. This is like, it's hard to really kind of just let down your guard and tell details about this. So many years later, I have a journal that I kept at that time. And this past couple of weeks preparing for this episode, I had started to read a lot of the notes about us dating because I was in the closet. I wanted to be a police officer and law enforcement was not very accepting for gay men at that point. I really had to, you know, be careful about dating men because that was still considered at that point, very perverse behavior. At the same time, I had these raging hormones. I was attracted to this man, Dyson. And so we started hanging out. We had that kiss and then it escalated to other things. Oral in nature, you might say. And is that why it's named Dyson? I, you know, I can't remember if it was good or bad. I mean, at that point, anything was great because I had never experienced it. You know, obviously, I enjoyed it, and so we started dating and seeing each other on a regular basis. Now, this particular person, Dyson, he was trying to go to college. He was trying to get a scholarship, and he. <laughs> I can already hear the jokes coming from you, but he liked to play the flute. I know. I knew it was coming. (laughs) And so he was trying to get a a music scholarship and he wanted to go to Juilliard. He ended up, I think, going to Florida. He was very, very talented, but he was also very eccentric. He was Filipino. His family didn't know. We were both in the closet. We were both trying to see each other on the down low. And at this time period, I was getting like three or four hours of sleep a night. I was going to school at George Mason and I was working two jobs. So any time that I had to see him was like late at night and it meant like I had to give up sleep to hang out with him as we're, you know, sneaking around doing our thing. Again, he was so eccentric and he would like buy me clothes and it was stuff that it's like, man, if we're going to be on the down low, I can't be wearing like green combat boots. That screams that I'm gay. He didn't understand that. I'm like, look, I can't wear like these clothes. And he would wear like pink corduroys. He liked to wear scarves. He had lots of piercings. And then one day we're hanging out and I go to pick him up and Barbie, this is no shit. I see him and I take one look at him and I'm like, what the fuck did you do? And he's like, well, you know, obviously I shaved my eyebrows. What? You look like a fucking alien. You look like you're from outer space. And he's instantly mad because he's trying to find himself and he's trying different looks. It's like, can you try to find looks where you can keep your fucking eyebrows? We're trying to be on the down low here. Okay, Dyson, are you fucking kidding me? You have no eyebrows. Like we're going to walk around and people are instantly going to be drawn to you saying, well, that's kind of weird. I hope, you know, is he struggling with like chemotherapy? Does he have cancer? He has no eyebrows. For me, it's like we're on the fucking down low and now I'm dating E.T. 
well, maybe he just didn't want you to, uh, you know, be able to read his emotions because, you know. Because <laughs> when you don't have any eyebrows, you can't read those emotions. It's like, are you angry? Are you happy? Because I dated a girl that had some flat eyebrows and they didn't move. So I was like, hey. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I just, you know, look, you're, you're trying so hard to stay in the closet. You want to be a police officer. Now you have a boyfriend where, yeah, you're right. I can't read his emotions. I don't know if he's mad or upset. It, it was it was never going to work. He was a really cute guy, and we hung out all the time. And I look back because I still have pictures of him and I at that time period. And it was a lot of fun. But, you know, people were definitely at that point, they were asking a lot of questions. And I think that for my really close friends... They're like, that's weird because that guy's kind of feminine and Mark seems to really spend a lot of time with that guy. For a lot of people, like the cat was out of the bag. Now, here's another interesting thing is this whole time period, my parents were selling their house because they were going to retire and move to Florida. There was a lot of pressure for them to get the house ready. And I'm hanging around with this guy that they don't understand. They start asking questions about, you know, who this guy is and what the relationship is. And this is early on. And my father asked me one night, are you queer? <gasps> What'd you say? I denied it. Of course. I was in the closet. Wow. That was a very, very hard time in my life. My parents ended up, you know, moving down to Florida. A few months later, I moved out to Utah. But of course, Dyson and I, we had broken up. We had like a ring of commitment that I'd given him. And then he gave me the ring back and he played this whole game of testing me about our relationship. And when he gave the ring back, I think it was, I was already at that point where it's over because there was just too much stress on me trying to juggle him and then the jobs and school. And so uh, we ended up breaking up. I actually found him on Facebook and shortly after we broke up, is I guess he met this other person that he's been with ever since because he's married to this other, this man. Oh, wow. And lives in New York City. Interesting guy. I really enjoyed the time back then, but it was just so secretive and stupid. And you're running around and you're just living this lie. You know, no, I'm not gay. I'm not gay. I'm just hanging around with this fucking guy that likes to wear pink corduroys and scarves and has no eyebrows. <laughs> Completely fucking normal. Every straight guy does that. You know, I'm excited to hear all these stories from you because, like, even though, you know, we're both gay, whatever, gay men relationships are so different from lesbian relationships. And so I feel like, you know, this is going to be good because it kind of shows both. I feel like, you know, lesbian relationships are, there's a lot more feelings in it and, and everything to where I agree. I you agree know, on men, yeah. it's just like physical, you know? Yeah. It's physical. You know, I got to put my dick in something. Uh, so it's, it's fascinating to me to listen to your relationships and how different they are or other friends of mine where their relationships are just so kind of like almost like superficial because it's just almost like sex to where lesbians, good God, there's so much shit that comes along with it. The emotion and, yeah. Originally, we had talked about what we were going to call this episode. My good friend who did my air conditioning here at my house, he had used the term putting your dick in crazy. I love Brilliant. that concept. And that is people that are really attracted to dating people that are fucking insane. Yes. You know, people that are crazy that bring drama to your life. And he's yes. like, some guys just love to put their dick in crazy. Now, for lesbians, I think it's putting your tongue in crazy. 
Well, you know, we do have strap-ons, you know. But, yes, your tongue as well. You know, you just got to, you know, taste a little crazy now and then. So so tell me, what is the first story that you wanted to share today, Barbie, about your dating relationships? Uh, there's so many. <laughs> but <laughs> my coming out story, uh, it, you know, I may as well tell you. It's kind of funny. Please. I was 21 and I was living in Nashville and I was dating this guy, actually, and he was such a nice guy. And he was uh, in the military, Fort Bragg, actually. You know, we went out and we had some good times and we were hanging out and everything. And it was my 21st birthday. I didn't know who I was. I felt like something at this point in my life was going to change. I just didn't know what it was. We went out and had good times, went out with my sister and her friends and everything. And then when it came to my 21st birthday, he's like, oh my God, I feel so bad. He's like, I'm going to have to leave. He's like, I got to go to Fort Bragg. There's like something major going on and I'm going to have to be deployed and go take care of this. And I was like, oh, that sucks. And he's like, I know I wanted to take you out. He's like, but I still want to take you out and have a good time, but I'm going to have my friend do it. And I was like, well, that's weird. And he's like, yeah, she's really nice. She's my best friend. Her name is uh, Katrina. And I was like, oh, okay. She's going to take you out. I'm going to give her some money. And she's going to, you know, buy your first drink at 21 and everything. And uh, uh -huh. Can I ask you something, Barbie? Did, sure. did you like him? Were you attracted to him? I think I forced myself to like him. I've this always is, known. This, you know, this is what's right? Like, I yeah. have to do this? Okay. But you've always known, but you're mm -hmm. still like, okay, this is kind of where I have to go, at least with this. You know, I haven't been around any gay people in my life, so I didn't know any different. So he's like, she's going to take you out and she's going to buy you your first drink. And I was like, all right, you know, that sounds cool. He's like, but there's one thing. He's like, she's bisexual. And I was like, I was like oh my God, <laughs> I hope that bitch doesn't hit on me because, you know, I'm not going to take that. And, Did you uh, say that? Did you really no, say that? No, but that's what I was, you know, in my mind thinking. <laughs> and uh, so we set it up um, and she comes and she picks me up and she's walking in. And that was like the first time, like, I felt those tingling sensations is when I saw her walking up to come and get me, to take me out for a drink. What and, does she look like? What causes, well, like you had said, it's more about feelings. There's a certain depth with females, lesbians, more <laughs> so than men. What was it about her that caused those feelings for you? Um, I think it was just that she was very feminine. She was feminine. Uh, she had glasses. She had a leather like vest on with some nice tight jeans at the time so it was kind of you know country but yet sexy it was the forbidden you know because you're coming from utah and you know in utah that shit doesn't exist at least back in those days so she came she rang the doorbell and i was just like sitting there oh hi katrina how are you and so we go out and i just remember she took me to like like applebee's or something and i was so fucking nervous all i kept doing was like drink after drink after drink just to calm my nerves and stuff because i was like hmm, there's this like warm sensation between my legs and i'm not sure what that's about and <laughs> like you know and she was just she was awesome she was just you know talking 
she's very intelligent and beautiful and everything else. And uh, we ended up actually going and parking by some lake or whatever. And she put the moves on me. And so once she put the moves on me and I like fucking kissed her right then, it was like, you know, I'm not just going to bust out of the closet. I'm going to fucking do cartwheels. You know, that was pretty amazing. We ended up uh, having sex and having to tell Thomas the next day that, hey, I'm sorry, I can't go forward with this relationship because, you know. Holy shit. Yeah. I just so he set for your this best up. Friend. How long did you and Katrina, right? How, mm-hmm. long, how long did you guys stay together seeing each other? I don't think it was really super long. It was probably like six months because, Mark, this was my um, introduction into a stage five clinger that uh, <laughs> I've never known about or experienced. <laughs> it started as she would come by and we would hang out and then I moved back to Utah for a while. Have you ever seen Harry Potter where he gets all those letters in the mail where it just comes through and it's just it's the chimney? Boom, 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 boom. That's exactly what happened. And oh, no. like she would write me every single day, and it wasn't just a one-page letter, it was like a 12-page letter every day. I thought it was just so romantic at first, and then it kind of got to the point to where it was annoying. And then a funny story is, is that uh, I took my best friend back to uh, Tennessee with me, Kat, who you know. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. We ended up going out to the club and Katrina showed up and we all were sitting for a nice little uh, drag show there at the club. And I left Katrina with Kat while I went to another part of the club. I kind of dumped Katrina on Kat. <laughs> Kat listens to this podcast. She constantly reminded me of that. She's like, you know, you're a fucker because I didn't know what to do with this person. She was a complete mess because you left her there. And so you must have a hell of a talented tongue that a girl fell for you on one date and you ended up breaking up with your boyfriend. I have a question though, seriously, Mm -hmm. in regards to the fact that she's bisexual, you're talking to a guy that's been cheated on multiple times and we're going to get to that later on. I've got commitment issues because I'm constantly paranoid about getting cheated on again in the gay community. Now you're dating somebody that's not only into chicks, but she's into guys too. Does that increase your paranoia about getting cheated on when you're dating somebody that's bisexual? When I was younger, that's what I went for was bisexual or straight because it was a challenge to me. Hmm. And so that's who I would mostly pursue you know, things have kind of changed probably I'd say in the past 10 years, at least where lesbians are kind of more feminine now as well. There's a lot Mm -hmm. more of them, but you know, back in the day, I didn't want to date somebody that looked like a guy, you know, I wanted the long hair. I wanted somebody that looked feminine, acted feminine. And the only time that I could find any of those were either you're bisexual or straight. So it was always a challenge to me to find those. Like you said, the you more, do get kicked in the teeth on those quite a few times. The more feminine lesbian is called a lipstick lesbian, right? Mark, I can't keep up with all the terminology <laughs> of lesbians. <laughs> I'm an old lesbian, and apparently I've got to pull out like the Google Dictionary or something because well, there's so many of them. I didn't know what a fluid lesbian was 
fluid lesbian. I thought it was somebody that drank alcohol, but apparently it's not. <laughs> it's just somebody that can be butch and femme. I don't know. One of the future episodes that I plan to do is actually about the terminology that we talk about in gay relationships or gay dating or whatever. There's so much terminology, urban dictionary stuff that we have to really kind of break down and maybe you'll come back and you'll be on that episode as well as we talk about terminology so people can be in the know if they listen to this podcast and they overhear conversations they say, oh i see sticky rice is when it's asian on asian that are attracted to each other it's called sticky rice Jesus and i didn't Christ. know that I didn't know that for a long time, but those are a lot of the terminology that I want to break down in one of the episodes in the future. Yeah, because I don't even know it. When I came out, it's like you're either gay, straight, or bisexual. That's pretty much it. And now it's, you know, an LGBTQ, LMNOP. Plus, plus, plus. I don't know. I can't keep up. (laughs) There's so much to know now. Are you ready for me to expand on my next person? I'm so excited, Mark. One more little detail about Dyson is on one of my various trips to Utah as I was testing to get hired by the police department, Dyson had actually come with me. We had stayed at a very close friend's family's house and they had an RV and it was pretty amazing to like not have to sneak around. Like we were out in the RV, everybody's asleep. So we did our thing and he got to see Utah before I ended up moving there in may of 96 but once i was out there in utah of course i was working for a police department and then later corrections but i still was very much in the closet in that whole time period i started to go online and one of my first ventures online in dating would have been in the administration of olympus up front and i was going on different singles sites uh, at work late at night, count's done. I got, I'm got. i going to be working up front for a little while and I'm up there and I'm looking at these different single sites. And I started to kind of search, you know, guy looking for guy. And I can't remember the name of the site, but I started to peruse different profiles. And so I found this young guy that was in Canada and we're going to be calling him Jason. Jason. And yeah, Jay. So (laughs) it's always a horror reference. So being as complicated as I could possibly be, I found this guy up in Vancouver, British Columbia. And so we started chatting on a regular basis. Eventually I got the gonads where I drove up to meet him after months and months of communication. I jumped in my little Subaru and I drove up across the border into Vancouver and met this person for the first time. That's pretty ballsy. As I look back and I'm like, fuck, you couldn't even find somebody in your own country. You actually drove across the United States from Utah, from Salt Lake City up to Vancouver. That was a hell of a drive. And it was a snowstorm in the northwest part of the United States. But my little insane. I know it's crazy. I had my OC from work in my car. I had to leave that at the border with the customs people, with the border people in Canada. Isn't that what crazy? What did you say? Because it's like, hey, I'm going to go get a blowjob from some guy over here. Uh, I'm going to leave. Can I leave this with you? I mean, what was the conversation on that? Hey, look, so, if, I don't, if I don't come back across the border in three days, I'm probably in a fucking bathtub full of ice with no kidneys. 
please send help is probably what I should be saying. Because now that I'm older, I look back, I'm like, God damn, you must be fucking crazy. Anyway, it's safe. It's fine. yeah, take off. Eh? <laughs> so I go up there and I meet this individual and kind of like his background is his mom was a U- U.S. citizen born in the United States. His father was Canadian. He had kind of a mixed bag as far as his parents. And I went up and visited him. We hit it off. It was so much fun. And for the first time in my life, I was out of the closet. This is who I was. And Vancouver was a lot more accepting than Salt Lake City. A certain part of Vancouver that was gay, where there's like this street with gay flags and everything else, it was such an amazing feeling to be out of the closet, Barbie. I could be myself. It was really sad to have to go back to the United States to go back in the closet and assume this terrible identity of somebody that could not be themselves. I was tossing and turning, and I'd also lost a ton of weight before I had met uh, Jason. It was just great. I just felt so free and I could be myself. Unfortunately, I had to come back and I came back and I was miserable and I was thinking about him all the time. And we were communicating by like email or messenger. And eventually I ended up going back up a second time. And that's when Melissa Moore went with me, Melissa and her girlfriend at the time. We went back up to Canada, I think a few months later. Here's one of like the red flags about this relationship is, you know, when I'm driving back up there and like we stopped at like a gas station and like he wouldn't answer his phone. Again, I was really young. He was really young. (laughs) To make a long story short, you know, we went back up there. It was an okay trip the second time. But again, it's a new experience. I very immature about the whole thing. He ended up moving down from Canada down to the United States. And then we were going to pursue his citizenship, his dual citizenship, because of the birthright from his mother. While he was here, he could not work. And so we found other ways for him to make money by selling on eBay and that sort of thing, going to DI and finding uh, vintage toys to sell as income while I was working at the prison. And I was also working at Job Corps in Clearfield, working all the time. It was a new experience. It was interesting. It was very, very trying. It was hard to juggle that. And at at some point, he had started to want to look for a new set of friends. And he had gone, I don't know if you remember the website, (laughs) hotornot.com. Yes, I so do. Where you rate, you rate people and you you end up messaging them if it's Uh a mutual you know well you know i rated you at you know a 10 and you rated me a 10 and then you get together and you realize that his blowjob's a three and so you can never (laughs) see him again but anyways um, tinder of 2000 or something it was was crazy it was crazy one time i had come home from work you know after months and months and months of this relationship and he looked like he was sick and he, he told me he was honest enough to tell me that, you know, something had happened and he had met this person on Hunt or Not and they had messed around sexually. It was very sad for me at that time after putting so much into a relationship and bringing somebody from another country and supporting them for a while and um, he messed around. And he stayed at the house there for a while. It got to a point where the attorney needed more money because it was going to be more difficult to deal with this immigration process than once expected. And we had like broken up, but we were still living together. I was still, you know, cordial when he needed more money for the attorney. I'm like, you know, I I can't do that. He went back to Canada 
And that was that. That was my experience with Jason. I will say that one thing that was really cool about our relationship is at that point, my first Doberman got sick. He had uh, a twisted stomach that he survived. Bloat is what they call it in dogs. And that was in January. And the dog laid down in the backyard like in January. And the dog wouldn't lay down in July. Instantly, something's wrong. And we got the dog to the emergency vet. And they said, the dog's stomach is twisted. We got to do a surgery right now. And it's 1500 bucks. And we got to call in a second person for this surgery if you want to do it. But if we don't act fast, then there's no circulation in the stomach. The stomach will die and your, your dog will die. We got the dog through that situation. And then in September, he got a pinched nerve in his neck. And a vet in Utah, the only neurologist in the state at that time, put him on a bunch of different medications. And... It was too much medication, and it ended up ulcerating his intestines and killing him. That was brutal for me, and I will say that Jason helped me through that process and was really, really good about that. It was terrible. That was my first Doberman, and I had gotten him right before leaving Virginia to move out to Utah, so I had gotten him in December of 95 for Christmas. That really wrecked me. That was really hard, and Jason helped me through that, so that was cool. You know, when when you can't trust somebody, it really makes it hard in a relationship. But I know people that are able to do it. Their partner cheats and they're able to work through it and they go through couples counseling. The whole thing was so new, Barbie, and it was like a whole new experience dating. It just wasn't going to work and it was new and he was young, I was young. It was a different time period. And I would learn there was many more people coming down the pike where that were going to teach me a lot more lessons. <laughs> So my question is, you know, like we were talking about how lesbians and gay men are like, as far as dating goes, completely different. I feel like you, and correct me if I'm wrong, kind of not the norm as far as gay men. I'm more lesbian? Yes, because you're you're wanting commitment. You know, you don't want to, you know, have date somebody that's going to go bone three guys or something. You want that one-on-one commitment. I've never had an orgy. I've never had a three-way. A lot of gay people listening to this podcast are rolling their eyes like, oh my God, what an amateur. I never have. I've always been attracted to that person that you spend the rest of your life with, that you grow old and you just make each other laugh. And it gets to a point where, you know, you help each other with your diapers as you get into those silver years. Yeah, that's what the dream was always about that for me, about long-term commitment to grow old with somebody. Eventually travel. The biggest thing is about laughing and just having, creating memories together. A lot of the gay community that I've witnessed, especially when you're young, I think as you start to get into your 30s, you start to look to settle down more. But again, I did not come out of the closet until over the age of 30. Jeez. So I missed a lot of that experience. You know, I'm now, you know, over the age of 30, I come out and that's when I start to experience a lot of the things that people go through in their 20s. And I'm envious of the young gay people now because they get through all that crazy period of their 20s. But I, I've never done drugs. I've never even done marijuana. So I never did any of that crazy ecstasy, meth, all this other shit that they do, raves and all these parties. I've just seen way too many stories or heard too many stories about shit goes sideways with drugs and it just wrecks people's lives. I was never attracted to that, but I missed a lot of those early experiences with dating. Right. Does happen though that you guys do settle down with like one person, right? 
most I know people close to my age that are addicted to sex. They just, for them, they've got to have partner after partner after partner. And I'm like, that was never exciting for me. It was, in fact, when I first started like the whole process of dating and hooking up for me, it's like, I meet somebody, we end up having sex and it's like, okay, cool. You know, do you want to go see a movie next week? And this person was looking at me like, the fuck's wrong with you, man? <laughs> you know, it's like, we're gay. We're supposed to just run around and fuck everything. Like, why like would you, you gay men are too much work? Fuck. Like, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're done. We had sex. I don't need to see you again. Goodbye. Jeez. It was hard for me to work through that. And I know of specific people that we're going to talk about later that I will bring up the fact that it was just a notch on the belt. Like, look, we've done it and I've had you. And now I'm, you know, next weekend, I'm going to go get a new pair of jeans, a new shirt. I'm going to be back at the club. And I never really connected with that, never understood that. To me, it's like, no, no, I mean, this doesn't make any sense. Like, we're supposed to date and then commit it. Again, I'm 51. I'm showing my age, I guess. Well, I guess I kind of was the same way back in the day when I was younger. As a lesbian, you know, it was always the notch in the belt type thing. You didn't want to settle down with anybody. You wanted to kind of just see how many... I always thought of it as that, you know, I was trying to get a good education as far as sex went. You know, the more people I slept with, the better I'd be. As you get older, things, obviously, things change. You just want to have that forever and not just, okay, yeah, I'll call you sometime. Leave it at yeah. that. Well, it seems like we've talked about this before, and you've talked about this, is that in the, the lesbians seem to be much more commitment-oriented. Once you move in, then it's like, it's going to be 10 years easy. If there's going to be a breakup, it's going to take 10 years. The gay guys, a long-term relationship is like 36 months. <laughs> I mean, that's, so that's true, <laughs> like, that's forever. <laughs> and it's sad. It's sad. But I see these older guys, these older gay guys. And where I live in Florida, there's a lot of older gay guy couples. I don't want to get too far off the path here. I will tell you, this is a great story. Okay. I had met through an attorney friend that lives here in Florida, a friend of a friend, actually. He had a party and I had gone over to his house and he had this older gay couple that he's been friends with for years and years and years. And both these guys are just extremely wealthy, older gay guys. And the one guy is from Europe. I sat next to him at dinner and he clearly... I don't know if they don't have deodorant sticks in Europe or what the problem was, but it was hard to, it was, Barbie was hard to eat because like every time I would inhale, it was basically like I was suffocating on a dirty armpit. I mean, he really, really went all natural at dinner, you but it was facing worse. Oh my God. It was, it was musky. It was musky. <laughs> God damn. That was bad. Oh, I'm going to end up wanting to vomit again. I don't know what it is with this podcast and odors just get me, man. They're just, they get me anyway. So his partner was kind of like the breadwinner had like major money, you know, from his family and for his investments and his businesses. He was fairly eccentric and a little more feminine acting of a man, which is totally fine. He made it clear to me as we shook hands and he tickled the inside of my palm. Yes, that, you know, that they like to play around and that he'll have to come back to Florida. Somebody had told me like, you know, that's a good person to know right there because he does lots of traveling and he likes to bring different people with him on his travels. 
And I was like, see, this is just not the scene that I'm into. And how old was he? I late sixties, early seventies. Yeah. Geriatric. Nice. <laughs> he was frisky. Like I said, he was tickling the inside of my palm and, you know, his partner, I smelt like every part of his partner's body that was just wafting through the air at dinner time. And I'm trying to, and I'm like, God damn, this is really rough. And, and the thing is, is the guy was a very handsome man. The one from Europe, like I said, no speed stick on that one. Imagine what his dick smelled like. <laughs> Stop it. I'm going to vomit. God damn, he's probably not circumcised, and there's nope. weeks worth of urine around his head. <laughs> Moving on, who do you got for me? Is it your turn or my turn? You're going to make me sick. I love that we're having this because it's taken me back to like like the early beginnings of being a lesbian. And <laughs> <laughs> one of my first relationships that I had, I called her Ravana. Interesting. Ravana. It's a demonic name of some sort. <laughs> don't know, but uh, that's where we're going. I was thinking Nirvana, but this uh, is Ravana. Ravana, yes. Don't know okay. what it means. I just know it's pure evil. Um, <laughs> so this was probably one of, I'm going to have to say it's like my third relationship. When I met her, I was pretty young. I was in my like early 20s. She worked for the Department of Corrections, believe it or not, a long time ago. And Small world. It is a very small world. I think that's kind of how I kind of decided to go down that route. I don't know. She was a nice person when we first started dating, but as we progressed and everything, she became a little more controlling. And I don't know if you've dated anybody that's worked for the Department of Corrections, but at times they will treat you like an inmate. And, you know, she would sometimes snap her fingers like she was talking to an inmate to me. Really? Yeah. I don't know. There wasn't anything horrible to say about her. And I don't even know if this is even worth putting it into the podcast. But when we first started dating, it was good. And then it just, she kind of started to become controlling. And when I say controlling, uh, at one point I had long hair. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, you know, I think I want to do something different with my hair. And she threatened me. She told me if I ever cut my hair that she would leave me. I was like, I'm going to test this. So that's when I decided that I was going to be short haired. I went and I cut my hair off. She flipped the shit out and everything. She didn't leave me, but I ended up leaving her. And the only reason that I'm bringing this story up about her is because I ended up meeting somebody in Utah County for her. And I left her for this other girl. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until, God, I don't know, something like 10 years later, whenever I decided to go and work at the prison. I was working at the prison and I was in the academy class. And all of a sudden, somebody comes up to me and pulls me out of class. And they're like, so yeah, Ravonna wants to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, what? I haven't talked to this person in 10 years. And she pulls me out and she's like, yeah, I noticed that uh, you started working here at the prison. And I was like, well, it's kind of weird that you're pulling me out and interfering with my training and everything. Because at this That's point, she, crazy. Was, she was kind of high up. And mm. so it was kind of weird. And we ended up like talking and she ended up like texting me and stuff. What ended up being weird about the whole thing is that her whole goal was set 
on revenge sex with me. So, oh my god, she wanted to sleep with me to show me how good she was that I missed out on something wonderful. You know, at this point, I was single. I was like, whatever, sure. Go over to her house and puts on her little strap on. And, you know, she's gonna decide she's gonna try to drill me and do all these oh naughty things to god. me. I know, right? Can I ask you when she pulled you out of class? Was your hair long or short? I can't remember. It was short. Okay. She still had interest. Like, it wasn't a deal breaker at that point then. No, it wasn't because it hmm. was the fact that I had left her. And I think I broke her heart at some point uh, or revenge. whatever. And so it was, she was wanting to kind of revisit this at some point. I'll tell you, when I first started dating her, I was pretty like naive as far as sex goes. I didn't have any idea what really happened with, you know, a whole lot of lesbians. I mean, I wasn't into trying new things. So, you know, it's pretty much, a, you know, a scissor situation and that's all it was, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then when the scissors got dull, I was like, okay, I'm done. I was so young. I didn't know. I don't know if she was trying to like show me what she's learned or whatever, but at this point I was a scholar at sex at this point. So <laughs> when she like, you know, decided she was going to show me how it was going, I was just like, and that's all you got. And I just remember that she was so upset and she was like disappointed and she's just, just like crying. And I'm like, why, oh. why are you crying? I hate that. Why, what are you doing? And she's like, I just wanted to get back at you. You broke my heart and I thought I would show you that this is how it is. And, and I was just like, okay, well, yeah, so I gotta go. And yeah, it was really awkward. Barbie, do you think that the crying was guilt? She was trying to guilt you? Yeah, knowing, she's a very knowing manipulative that, one. Knowing that you did not like seeing crying, that she was just using guilt on you. Yes, she was. She was very manipulative during that relationship. I did date her for a short time while I dated another person that worked for Department of Corrections. So it kind of got messy. I don't know. She was crazy at that point. My next person on the list, we're going to call him Carl. I don't remember his name. I hope his name really isn't Carl because I don't remember. <laughs> but he Carl was Asian. Said. Well, a lot of times people that are Asian when they come to the United States, they, you know, they pick up an American name just because it's easier when you cannot pronounce their name. If somebody's name is Bang Now Wang Bang, and then they go by Jim Bob, that's you know, you know, kind of unusual. But this guy, we're gonna call him Carl. And I think he was from like Laos or Taiwan. I cannot remember. But I just remember that we had communicated online and I had gone down to Utah County to meet him. At the time, I was living up in Sunset. So that was a hell of a drive. I'm kind of new to the game and I want to get out there and start meeting people. The last time I, I had gone to Canada, so this time it seems like Utah County wasn't too bad. I go down to his house and I remember going in. And it was pretty close to BYU. And I don't know if he was a student at BYU. I can't remember a lot of the details. I just remember going into his place and it was like traditional Asian decorating, lots of bamboo and stuff. Very nice guy. I remember he had chinchillas in a cage. I didn't know what a chinchilla was. And when I first walk in, I see chinchillas. And because it is an Asian house, I don't know if that's dinner or if that's a pet. <laughs> but I... I was afraid to ask, and then it became pretty clear, no, that's his pet. He loves his chinchillas, and he holds them up, and he gives them kisses, and 
and shit. And I'm like, well, okay. I mean, I'm dogs. This guy likes chinchillas. Cool. I remember that he loved volleyball because later on we just had our hookup sort of thing. And he had like all these super new movies on DVD that he had gotten over in like Taiwan or Laos or wherever he was from. And so he would get these movies that were brand fucking new. And then we would, this was literally Netflix and chill back in the early nineties, Barbie, because we would start watching a movie that was clearly filmed on a video camera in a movie theater (laughs) and then, and then made a million copies in some Asian country. And then he would bring them back. He bought them there for like a buck and then he would bring them back to the United States. And they had all these brand new movies. I remember watching these movies for like 10 minutes and next thing you know, we're rolling around doing our thing. But he had those illegal, <laughs> those illegal DVDs. It didn't last long. We got together a few times. And then it became very clear that, you know, an hour, hour and a half drive to go visit him was just a, a total fucking drag. And because I lived in Sunset and I worked in Draper, like to go see this guy, I would have to literally pass by work, which I drove to seven days in a two-week period for the 12-hour shifts at the prison. Now, on my days off, I'm like, fuck, I'm making this drive just to get some dick. This is crazy. So but, was he not old enough to drive? To come see you? You know, I know. I, <laughs> he was legal, Barbie. Let's, <laughs> let's not go there. He was old enough to drive. He was clearly in college. And I don't know if it was a scholarship program. I don't remember a lot of these details, but he was like early 20s. That was all I have on Carl, but I just remember that was like experience number three and learning about gay culture. Nice guy. And like I said, I saw him a few times later. We met online. He had to stay down there because of school and I had to live up because I owned a house. Wow. It's crazy. No, crazy's coming. Carl was pretty normal. Carl's like, hey, I can handle this. I mean, this is nice. So I could just find somebody like Carl, but closer to home. You know, I could deal with chinchillas as long as the Doberman doesn't choke on one. We're good. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So Carl well, was a nice guy. I don't know where he's at now, but nice guy. That's awesome. Uh, my next one, I'm going to call Mara. So Mara is who I met while I was dating Ravana, and I decided to leave Ravana uh, <laughs> to date Mara. Now, Mara, she worked for uh, Utah County, and that's how kind of we met and so as we talk about being a lesbian and and everything and the uh type of women that i was attracted to she was in the process of getting a divorce at the time so she was straight her husband worked there at utah county at the time so it was kind of weird uh to date her but uh we both ended up moving to vegas together and um she was I look back on it, there was nothing really super exciting to tell you about her other Mm. than she was, you know, hot and attractive and that was it. The sex was good and uh, that was it. But she, I don't know what it was that made me want to flee all the time, Mm. but there was something. And I had like commitment issues, I believe, at this time. So I didn't. Oh, and we had moved in together and we lived in Vegas and I hated Vegas because Vegas smelled just like a dirty ashtray. Every <laughs> casino you go into, they smell like the same cleaning solution and cigarette smoke. Yes. Every and they, single one of them. Disgusting. I hated it. 
and yeah. it was very yeah. plasticky and you know you'd go on hikes and try to get outdoors or whatever and it's like yeah so this is mount charleston this is all i got for you and i'm like well where the fuck is the water and there's like oh it's a desert we don't have any water so i didn't like vegas i hated it i didn't like the situation that i was in with mara it just i don't know it just didn't feel right and maybe i lost interest pretty much what happened i talk about my best friend cat cat has bailed me out i don't know how many times in situations and one day cat calls me and she's like hey how's it going i haven't talked to you for a minute yeah move in my friend uh giffy from california back up to utah and stuff and i was like oh cool and she's like yeah we're traveling uh through las vegas and stuff do you want to meet up for lunch and i was like yeah actually i got one better for you i was like how about you swing by the house and then uh we pack up a u-haul and then i follow you up <laughs> she's like what are you talking about and i'm like i want to move i don't want to be here anymore <laughs> so while my girlfriend at the time was at work cat and her friend come up we start loading the trailer and i'm like i want out of here i just want to get out of here i don't want to talk to this person i'll you know leave her a note i don't know because i was that asshole back in the day and so we're like wow. everything and she never came home for lunch except for this day <laughs> she comes home busted cats in the driveway i'm pushing stuff out and she's like what the fuck's going on so cat's like ah, mara's out in the driveway what do i say and i'm just like oh, i'm sorry that you had to find out like this it's just not working out i don't feel like we're gonna work oh, oh my god, god. It, it was the most uncomfortable thing especially because cat's there but like i said man that woman has bailed me out of so many relationships but I've done the same with her. She's always been there. And oh God, we finally packed everything up and left. That was one of my dick moments right there. And that all age. Barbie, that's how people get shot. Like that's how emotions rage and somebody can't handle the breakup. And to do that sneaky shit behind a person's back. <laughs> that, that's how people get shot. You're going to get shot right in your fucking vagina. I don't know how I haven't been shot or assaulted because I was an asshole when I was younger. I'll admit it. And that how was an ass. You? I was in my 20s. So what does that mean? Give me, <laughs> give me a specific. You know, I was probably like, I don't know. I had to been like, I'd say 26 or something. And I was just like, yeah, this isn't working out. I'm not having fun. Get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, she was so pissed. So I'll bet. I think the only reason that I survived and I didn't like die that night is because there were two witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> You'd end up like Troy Kell's little friend that ended up there in the desert there in Nevada, the show and tell yeah. murder. Yeah. Uh -huh. She would have found some place to bury my body, but God, I was an asshole. <sighs> well, you know, it would have been a clean getaway if she hadn't shown up for lunch, but no, oh, boy. Right? I know. I would have left her a nice little note. <laughs> all right well moving on i'm gonna talk about my next person this guy's name we're gonna call him chan his real name is an american name and even if i work for nasa i could never pronounce his actual name he was vietnamese he was a nail tech so this was at a point where i was starting to do the china buffet movie which is available on the gay florida man podcast 
YouTube page. If you haven't seen it, please check it out, everybody that's listening. But we were in the start of creating this movie, and I started dating Chan. One of the people that was originally involved with the movie said, have you ever gotten a pedicure? And I never had never gotten one, Barbie. So he's like, <laughs> I'm going to bring you guys out. Lance, myself, and this other person, we all went and got this pedicure at this little place that was like North Salt Lake Bountiful area. Working in there was this Vietnamese guy. So we went in, and I didn't know that this other person, his whole intent was to introduce me to Chan. I didn't know it was a setup, but that's what they were trying to do. So I meet Chan, and he's a cute guy. He's a really cute guy. I got his number. He got mine. And next thing you know is we start hanging out. We start going out. And he's really, really cute, but he's got a fucking temper. Like when he's working, and he works six days a week, and he rarely had a break. You can do whatever you want, but once I'm off work, then you belong to me. That was basically the mentality with him. You can't have any other plans if I'm off of work. Like you got to drop whatever you're doing. And so I was okay with that at the beginning. Uh, I don't know if it was going to be in the long term. He had a really weird sense of humor. Like, you know, he knew that I liked horror movies. He would roll his eyes and just deal with it because he liked dating somebody, but he was definitely not so much into horror movies. He liked more like watching kids movies or Disney movies. And I think a lot of it was just because of like the language barrier thing. He spoke English, but it wasn't his primary language, obviously. And when we would go out to eat with all of his friends, I wouldn't know what the fuck was going on in the conversation because they would speak Vietnamese the whole time. And I would just look around and I was completely, you know, lost and occasionally him or one of his friends would look over at me and nod, like, you know, smile and nod and I'd nod back and I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. But we were out someplace and I think Lance was there and Lance loved Chan's sense of humor because Chan, like I would talk too much and he would point at a lamp and he'd say, do you know silence of the lamp? Shh, silence of the lamp. And he would point at a lamp. I didn't really think that was all that funny, but Lance really thought that was great. And I looked at Lance like, don't encourage this Vietnamese boyfriend of mine, please. Okay. You know, I would do my sense of humor and it would piss him off. We were at a mall somewhere in the Salt Lake Valley. And every time we would pass somebody that was Asian, I would point at the Asian person and say, hey, do you know him? And I did it like three or four times. He finally said, what the fuck? You think I know him, huh? You think I know all these people are Asian? You shut the fuck up. And he would say it just like that. He would cuss me out on the mall. And I'm like, God, fuck, relax. Yes. And it's like, if you're going to date me, you really have to have a really liberal sense of humor because I'm going to fuck with you. The ultimate fucking around, and I know, I don't think I've told this story before on this podcast. I'm going to tell it right here, right now. Of course, you know, he's not a very big guy, and I'm six foot five, and we're, you know, we're, we're in the middle of sex. And, you know, he is, he's fucking me like a rabbit, okay? In the middle of sex, you know, I get this wicked sense of humor, and I say, are you in, Barbie? He was so fucking mad. He was so fucking mad at me. He he pulled out, he stood up, he put on his little teeny briefs, and he pulls them up. The, the head of his dick is still sticking out, and I'm laughing fucking hysterically. He's not even cussing me out. 
he's so fucking mad. And he, he fucking leaves. He's done. Fuck, that's it. Fuck you, man. Just because I asked him, hey, are you in? That was seriously. And I know like a lot of gay people are listening to this right now going, oh, you really didn't do that. No, I really did. No, I really you did. did. I know you did. I, I did. I, I mean, know you did. But it's like, look, it's fun and stuff. But like, look, we know each other enough that we can fuck around and joke like this. Not with him. Nope. That was over. That was the time period when um, the newspaper did an article about me and collecting props. The newspaper had run the, the article in the beginning of October that year. And I had shown him the newspaper because, again, we're dating. We're boyfriends. We've been together now for several months. And I thought he might be proud of me being in the newspaper. And he looks at it. He's like, hmm, you're real important, huh? you really big guy now, huh? You make big time, huh? Right? And I'm like, this guy's busted my fucking ass because I'm in the newspaper. Really? Like, this is my support system. Ooh, you're really big, huh? Wow, look at you, big man. That was his reaction. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Maybe he was joking and he just doesn't understand humor. But I was like, fuck. So that was also the year that we had all gotten together as a group. All the people making this movie, The China Buffet. We'd all gotten together and we had agreed that we were going to do the Wizard of Oz, but we were going to do our own spin on it, and we are going to call it the Wizard of Odd. And so Lance was there, the person he was dating was there, Raul, I think it was his name, and myself. Now, I wanted Chan to go as a munchkin, because he's, <laughs> cause he's <Small>. shorter. <laughs> he's tiny. You know, what, are we talking about his, uh, his penis size here? We got to be careful with saying small because we already know I found out that that's a sensitive topic for him. He well, was your ass short. Is like Carl's bad cavern. So, you know, people got to pay attention to that shit. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so, what happens is, is I told him, I explained to him what this movie, The Wizard of Oz, is, and you're going to be the munchkin. You're going to be the lollipop kid. And <laughs> so he. I'm including him. I'm inclusive. I'm part of the gay culture. We're, we're inclusive. I'm including him. So I talk him into doing it, and I put this little cute costume together and this oversized lollipop, and it will be so great that the Tin Man, I was the Tin Man, he'll be the lollipop guild guy. Do you know that the night that we were going to go to the club, we were going to do this, he fucking ghosted me. He didn't show up. Yeah. Then the next day he calls me. He was off that day or he was off in time to go to the club. And he loved the club. He was a club whore. He loved the club. Nope. Was not going to do it. And we had planned this son of a bitch for months. I'm really into Halloween. I'm really into costumes. My Tin Man costume was a pain. You can ask Lance. It was just amazing. And I'm going to have to post pictures I want on it. social media. Uh, so people can see our costumes. Not really good pictures of me. I don't know why we didn't take more pictures. It probably because there wasn't cameras on everybody's phone back then. Anyways, yeah, no. Um, Chan said, nope, fuck you. No way. Wow. And I think that, like, the anger thing is probably what broke us up. You know, he didn't understand me collecting movie props. Like, he would come in and look around, and he would give his bitchy, you know, eye roll to me. But he would get so fucking mad. He really did love me. He really did. In fact, years later, long after we broke up, 
and I was in this terrible relationship with somebody else that we're going to be talking about named Alan. Alan had left me at the club to go hang out with his friends, and I had hung out with Chan and his friends, even though I was dating Alan at the time. And when we left the club, Chan attacked Alan. What? Yeah, oh, yeah, for being a bitchy boyfriend to me. Chan had a really big heart. He was a really sweet guy. But let me tell you, when he cusses you out, boy, you fucking know it. And I don't know what he was saying, but he was cussing I was... I just, I could <laughs> I tell you because, like, like, seriously, dogs in the next county, like, start barking because of his high pit. And he would hit these, like, high scream pitches when he was cussing me out. Sweet guy, but fucking angry. And I, his brother was, like, driving cabs back in Vietnam and had died at, like, age 34. So I think that they were probably an angry family. I don't know. We ended up breaking up. I don't even know why, but I think it's just like it wasn't working anymore. The relationship had run its course. We were just too different. He ended up getting married to somebody else that was Vietnamese, and they've been together ever since, and they own a nail salon together somewhere in Utah in the Salt Lake Valley, and they both drive Lexuses, and they both take vacation together, and they go back to Vietnam for like two weeks a year. He's a really sweet guy wherever he's at. So that's my story with Chan. He was a nice guy. I hope he's doing well wherever he's at. I hope him and his husband are still getting along wonderfully. And I hope that their nail salon's doing great. I hope everything's cool with him. But a nice guy just didn't work for us. How about you? Who's next on your list, Barbie? <sighs> you know, we're going to go with uh, Jezebeth. Is... <laughs> I love your names. Well, you know, Jezebeth. like I said, I looked for the most sadistic people that I possibly could to uh, put them on as their names instead of the real names, just to uh, save the identity of them. There's an old Twilight Zone episode, and I think there was a character named Jezebel who's like a witch, if I remember, from the old 60s Twilight Zone television show. I miss those. I do, too. I, I'm actually watching the entire series right now from like day one all the way through and i'm loving it i'm gonna have to dive into that again because mm. uh, there's some good some good stuff it's so funny because i'm just like laughing as we're going back through this mm. because i'm wondering were these people really evil and just horrible people that i dated or was the problem more or less me i think that's just kind of what we do is we just look back on our previous relationships and i don't know everybody that you date they change you somehow or whatever jezebeth was uh she was unique and entertaining um i met her working for uh the university of utah i worked security at the time and she worked there as security and she was kind of uh more or less in control of everything as far as the schedules and, you know, where she placed people and, and everything. I kind of feel like I was taken advantage of because it was, you know, I was pretty young. And when I first started there, I felt like I was kind of like fresh meat almost. <laughs> so because immediately all of a sudden I start getting all these messages of, hey, how you doing? Uh, you know, if you ever need anything, let me know. You know, I can <laughs> help you and and all this. You know, being young and everything, I was like, oh, 
cool. That could be like an in into, you know, some different places. I could totally get out of working in the ER and go work somewhere easier positions and stuff. Mm. So, yeah. So I started dating her in the beginning. It was kind of, it was kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. We kind of went around on campus and kind of had some, did things on the clock that we probably shouldn't have been paid for. <laughs> so, but we were, <laughs> because like, I don't know. Have you been to the university? It's huge. So not only do you have the campus, but you have the hospital, right? And yeah, so yeah. homeless people would end up living in these places because it's so big. You know, you're working graveyards and shit. And it's just like you can go and sit somewhere and get paid for, you know, eight hours and never be seen. So she was kind of showing me the ropes, so to say. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she would, it was kind of exciting and fun. We'd end up, you know, working on shift and going and sleeping together on different areas or whatever. Wow. And I know, right? Because it was like, you're young and stupid. So you're like, hey, that would be cool if we went and had sex in this office where this doctor <laughs> could possibly pop in at any time. But we didn't care, you know. That was just was it the risk factor that you might get caught? Was that the turn on? I think it was for me at the time. Yes, because wow. I was young. You know, like I said, I was young at the time. And when you get older, you start to realize that those things can affect your life. And so you should <laughs> not do that. But at the time, I didn't care. I was, you know, I was fucking 30 or something. And I thought it was hot and it was cool. So, wow. So, you know, and I was like, yeah, I'm getting paid for this. And so I would just go around and we would have sex here and there and stuff. But we ended up, you know, kind of starting a relationship and everything. And she was still, uh, I guess she had separated from somebody that she was dating that uh, worked for another agency. I want to say it was like Salt Lake or something, you know, because, you know, now I'm starting to date all these people that are in the law enforcement and type of environment. Uh-huh. You know, things kind of started to get weird as we were dating because that ex was kind of pissed off that she was dating somebody. We went home one day to her house and we decided, you know, that we were going to get all hot and bothered and break out the toys and everything. And, you know, they're her toys. So I'm going to, you know, use them on her and everything <laughs> and stuff. And she had this big, long fucking dildo that looked like a giraffe of some sort and <laughs> I could pull it out and you know you're trying to just get into the mood and work it out and everything and I'm like inserting it into her and she's enjoying herself and then that expression of oh my god this feels so good just completely changed into what the fuck is actually happening? Something, it's horror. I'm in pain. And she starts screaming. And I'm like, what, 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 what's going on? She's like, I don't know, something, it's burning, it's burning, it's burning. <sighs> and so I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I like pull it out. And she goes and she like gets in the bathtub and she's just letting the water run on her vagina because apparently after we figured everything out, after I contemplated if I should call EMS or not and how I was going to talk about this on that call. Hi, my girlfriend right now is just, you know, she's like struggling. We were having sex and now she's like burning her vagina. It's on fire. Send help. Send the fire department. I don't know what you're going to do. 
her ex was a very vindictive person that oh, still no. had the key to her house, had come in and sprayed OC all over her sex toys. So thank God nothing went into my vagina or asshole. <laughs> and uh, that is what happened. She flipped out and she like was so upset that we were we were having sex that she thought she would just cover her stuff with oc <laughs> so when i'm putting this in her you know she's getting a, like all wet and excited it activated and sure. so it just fucking was just burning up and why oh. didn't she change the fucking lock I, that's what i asked i was like why the fuck wouldn't you do that why would you send this in to have this happen oh, oh my shit. god she was crazy. It, I mean, is it something that you could actually, you knew that this is what happened, or you guys just kind of put this together that this must have been the case? Well, was there evidence? So the other toys that we did not use, yeah, you could smell it, you know, because oh, OC wow. has a that smell. And mm -hmm. I was like, what in the hell? I was like, did you get the key? And she's like, no, she still has a key. And I was like, well, it's your own fucking fault because you could have controlled that. Yeah, so that ended up happening. I only dated this girl for a short time because she was like a hot mess. But the sex was good. It was all over the place. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was really <laughs> hot. <laughs> so, like, it, yeah. Interesting. I can't say that I've had an experience like that, and I hope I never do, Barbie. Well, you know, I hope you don't either. My next story is about somebody that I really was attracted to pursued i guess to a certain extent but then realized that i was never going to be this person's type i will just say we're going to call him nate for the okay. purposes of this podcast i met him at the time period we were making the china buffet oh and he was 100 my type because everybody knows that i like asians and i like latinos so let's combine them together and what do we got a perfect storm now he comes from a fairly rigid Mormon background that was not very accepting of his lifestyle choice, we'll say, because we're talking about Utah in the early 2000s. He um, reconciled with his family, but there was still some animosity. We had taken a trip, a group of us had taken a trip down to Vegas. And I'd been there before. I think this was my second trip. And this is like my first time out of the closet, like a kid in the candy store. I really had feelings for this guy and was totally attracted. This guy going down to Vegas was like going to the club, hooking up left and right. Like we hardly saw him for most of the trip because, yeah. you know, he was an attractive guy. He was your typical twink. And so he was doing his rounds in Vegas and it wouldn't be long before he ended up moving down to Vegas. He left Utah and went down to Vegas to live because he just fell in love with it. Sin Ew. City. So he loved it. So he's down there. And I had said, like, look, since you're moving down there, when I get a chance, I'm going to come down. Once you're established, I'm going to go down and, and meet you and visit you. And he's like, okay, that'd be nice. So I had gone down to Vegas. And I remember that that one album of Madonna's had just come out. And I had just bought it on CD. And I listened to it going down to Vegas. Whenever I hear that song hung up in that whole album, I remember driving down to Vegas and I was so excited to see Nate. So I went down to Vegas 
and I uh, got a room at the stratosphere. And luckily on this particular trip, there was no dead hooker underneath my mattress. So the bed wasn't too bad. That's but, good. Yeah. But uh, so I'd gotten us day passes for all the rides on the top of the stratosphere. And I was really excited. Now, Nate was living with this older dude that he was renting a room from. God, and I can't remember the guy's name. And it's not that it's very important, but we'll call him Jim. I can't remember his name. Hopefully it's not Jim. But so uh, <laughs> I uh, he lived in Henderson, Nevada, right outside of Vegas. So yeah. I remember going down to see Nate. And when I got there, I was just so excited. I had worked the night before. And then I jumped in my car and left Draper and went down to Vegas, drove all day. And I got there and I checked into the stratosphere and I'm like, hey, Nate, I'm here. And he's like, oh, cool. Um, well, Jim's getting new carpet on the patio and I'm helping him pick it out. So I'm not going to be free for a while. I'm like, well, fuck, I just drove all this way. And like, you know, instantly he's like, yeah, you know, get together when I can. So I had to occupy my time and I can't remember what I did. I think I went out shopping at some of the outlet malls there. When I finally did get together with him, it wasn't very exciting. Uh, he had like other priorities. And so it's like, I know you drove this way, so I'll spend, you know, some time with you, but then I've got other things to do. It kind of like fell flat where you realize that it's not very important to this person. Like your priority is him and his priority is not you. Right. And so we hung out you know, for a while. And I'd ask him, do you want to do this? And do you want to do this? Or do you want to do this? And, and he's like, yeah, that's all cool. You know, whatever you want to do. Doing the rides on top of the stratosphere was not really his thing. Going to the club and getting drunk or smoking pot was more his scene. Mm. Uh, one thing that he was really excited about was having me come over and see where he lived. He's like, do you want to see where I, where I live? And I'm like, sure, I'd love to. And I actually, I genuinely wanted to go see where he lived. So like, this is the last day. It was like two or three days that I was there, I guess two days. And so I said, yeah, I, I do want to see where you live. So I go over to his place. And if I remember correctly, it's like a condominium or a townhouse. I think it was a condo. So I go in and I meet this guy that is his landlord where he rents a room from. The guy used to be a pastor. This guy, Jim, used to be a pastor. What? But then. And then he left the whole uh, religious thing and has this condo and he rents rooms out to, you know, young gay guys, twinks. And so we're sitting there in the living room. Barbie, it is one of the strange, and I've had a lot of strange shit in my life. This was one of those moments that I will never forget. We're sitting there, we're watching the news mm -hmm. and Nate's on the other side of the room. Jim's there and there's an, a story on the news about the homeless youth problem in Vegas and they congregate over by this bridge. Like they hang out underneath the bridge and this guy, Jim, he says, you know, you know, that's not too bad. You know, you could go down there and probably get one of them for just like, you know, a cheeseburger. What? And I'm like, what the fuck is he? He's saying it in the form of a joke. And I'm like, this guy's going to go pick up a gay teenager to have sex with for a cheeseburger. And I just get this really bad feeling like he's got Nate as a roommate and there's this other young gay guy that's staying there. And I'm just getting this really bad vibe. Like, this is really kind of weird. Again, he used to be a pastor. He left. And, and I think that during this whole process, Nate had told me that he's, you know, HIV positive and, uh, but he's just such a nice guy. He's a really good dude. 
Nate asked me, Hey, do you want to go outside and smoke a bowl? I'm like, no, that's, that's not my thing. Remember where I work? I can't, can't partake in drugs. Like I can't do that. Oh, you sure? Confused that I wouldn't want to do that. I'm like, no, I, I really don't. The whole situation kind of sucked. And so the roommate showed up, the other roommate. And so he is pretty close in age to Nate and he just got his hair cut and he's a really cute looking guy, white kid. Why we're in this room watching the news about homeless youth and um, Jim is salivating at the thought of these kids that he can seduce for a cheeseburger. Then I'm watching Nate, I, the other guy, I can see that like Nate basically wants to jump on him and fuck him right there in the living room. So he looks at me and no shit. He goes, you probably want to get back to your hotel, huh? And I'm like, yeah, 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 I do. Like, he's like, look, I want to get together with the roommate. So we need to get you the fuck out of the picture. We go back to the hotel, to the stratosphere. And I'm just irritated about the whole thing. Like, God, I drove all this fucking way. And this guy just doesn't have time. Like, he really doesn't give a shit. Um, he's like, hey, we're going to be going back to Utah, the roommate and I. So we're probably going to follow you back tomorrow. And I already made plans to meet somebody in L.A. that I had met on Hot or Not. So I had told Nate, like, well, I'm not going back to, to Utah. I'm, I'm going on to L.A. from Vegas. What? Yeah, I'm not going back. And I'm glad I had made additional plans for this trip. And it wasn't just Vegas. Thank God, because the time that I had in L.A. was amazing. Vegas sucked. Yeah. Interesting footnote about this whole story. Um, I didn't have much communication with Nate. I know that him and this guy were dating on a regular basis. And I guess the guy, the kid that he's dating that's also living there with this uh, gym guy, freaked out on him and attacked him. And the whole relationship turned violent again. You bring in drugs, who knows what other drugs besides pot is involved. But he ended up, I think, coming back to Salt Lake and then going back to Vegas. And I, who knows? But I heard from him a couple more times, but it was real random. And I'm just like, you know, I he's got his own problems. But years later, our mutual friend, Tony, that we used to work with at the prison, Tony Kishelish, oh. mm-hmm. because he lived down in Vegas, he's like, hey, I heard a story on the news and I thought of you. I'm like, what's that? He's like, the story is about this guy that's an ex-pastor that rents rooms out to these different guys, and this young gay guy died at his house. Bullshit. (laughs) No, I'm not kidding you. He had sent me the article, and he's like, what was the name of the guy? And we were trying to figure out the name of the guy, and I found him on Facebook. That's the fucking guy. Are you fucking kidding me? I think that what happened was this kid had overdosed. He rents out to like different kids that are into the drug scene, young gay guys. Now, I don't know how they pay rent. You know, I'm just putting it out there. I don't know because I don't know the whole situation. I know that he apparently thinks that for a cheeseburger, he can hook up with somebody that is, you know, a homeless youth, gay youth, (sighs) youth, but uh, very, very creepy. That's disgusting. Mm, it is disgusting. It's But to sit there in the living room and connect the dots, and I'm like, God damn, this is really weird. I'll never forget it. That is crazy. And that's yeah. crazy that Tony even sent you that. Well, he had remembered the story was so fucking weird because, of course, when I came back from L.A. after, you know, Vegas and then L.A., and then I came back and I told Tony the story, I'm like, God, man, I you wouldn't believe what I went through the last few days. And I told him, he's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, it's nuts. So 
Wow. Yeah. Who's next on your list? We're going to go with uh, Bathsheba. So, Bathsheba? Uh, Bathsheba. Oh, Bathsheba. Okay. Yeah. So we'll just call her Beth for short. Um, <laughs> yes. And this one, actually, I believe you know who it is. So <laughs> you've met this person. Did I date this person? No, thank God you haven't, because this person probably would have wrecked your life. <laughs> so, you know, like I said, it's been interesting to go over all these. When you look back on your shitty ass relationships and everything, it had to happen at some point because it made you a better person or it's done something. So even though I've dated all these people and they've just been like batshit crazy, I've learned something from them and I've tried to pull something good from it. Mm -hmm. So I don't harbor any like animosity towards them or anything. But uh, this individual, oh God, I don't even know how the fuck I got into this one. She was a prominent lesbian figure as far as Utah goes. So she actually owned a nightclub where all the lesbians would come and gather and stuff. And I think she had it for like about 20 years. It was like one of the places, safe places that, you know, lesbians can go and dance and do whatever. Man, I'll tell you, this person <laughs> fucking wrecked my life. I don't even know how I got stuck or how we even happened. When I had met her, I'm going to blame Kat for this. So, no. Poor <laughs> Kat. Was, yeah, because somebody was working at this place, and Kat's like, hey, let's go down there. And I never was a club person. I didn't go to the clubs, whatever, because it was one of those places that, you know, I, I don't know. I just thought those are just the places to go and pick up and meet. Fuck, that's about it. But, you know, I never thought of an actual relationship coming from something like that. I remember going out one day and Kat's meeting her friend and I went up to the bar and there's this individual up there that decided to buy me a drink and we ended up talking, you know, come to find out she had owned the place, you know, she was interesting and she was nice and kind of quirky and everything. And we ended up having this long-term relationship and I'm going to say that I was an asshole because I shouldn't have taken the bait because she was still in a relationship. So, mm. you know, I, I'm going to own it. I will. I've been there too, Barbie. I'm not judging you because I've made that fucking mistake as well. I have only made that mistake once and I will never make it again. I'm happily married. Thank God I found the woman of my dreams because she's amazing to me. She but is awesome. She is. I decided that for some reason that it was going to be okay to be that third person in this relationship without this other person knowing. And so I dated her for a year and a half before her girlfriend even knew about us. It was pretty, <laughs> the good time was that year and a half when I wasn't committed to her. The day that she said that she left her, that's when everything went to hell. Because now I'm like, oh, God, now I have to go at this full time. Ugh. And yeah, God, it was the worst mistake of my life. And I look back on it 
and I had a friend that uh, knew of her that I worked with. It, uh, I believe, it was a Crime Lab, and he told me mm, that's not a good name. I, I haven't heard positive things about that. Uh oh. You know, of course, it's new, it's exciting, and everything. And I was like, oh no, it's fine. She's fantastic. She's a great person. Every red flag that came at me, I just kind of shoved away. And there were so many of them. Yeah, it was probably one of the, the worst relationships that I had. She, you know, she owned a club. She was in a relationship with somebody that she'd been in with. I can't remember how many years for some reason at that time in my life. I think I was, I was still in my 30s, late 30s. I was okay with it. I was like, you know, it's fine. I can just be this side thing or whatever. Uh, side bay. I was afraid to have that full-on commitment. I was happy with just being that little side thing and I could see you when I wanted and she could see me when I wanted type of thing. And so we would continue that for like a year and a half. I would end up going down to this place, the club, and, you know, I would stay there until close. And then we would hang out and have our own time. And then I'd have to be to work at the fucking prison in like, you know, two hours. Oh. So, yeah, long ass time. And I just remember my partner would just, I don't know how many times she kept slapping me, Jimmy Ann. She's like, is this, is this really, you know, something that's, is this positive? Is this healthy? You know, she, she would just try to, to tell me, you know, all these things that to get me to leave. And I wouldn't. God, I wanted to be in this relationship with this person so bad, but I don't think that no matter what I could do, it was going to end up being healthy because this person was that shit fucking crazy. What was the drive? What was the reason that you wanted to be in the relationship so bad, Barbie? Superficial. She was attractive. So, you know, and that's where I thought. So you are a gay man. At the time, I have changed, Mark. <laughs> I thought she was attractive and I thought she was absolutely beautiful. But then when I kind of go back, I have people telling me, eh, she kind of looks like a drag queen or eh, <laughs> she looks like Lady Gaga. And so, you know, maybe, you know, the alcohol had something to do with it at the time. I don't know. She wasn't all that attractive. As you already know, I've got a very specific type. I definitely like Asian Latino. Mm -hmm. And so what is your type? Is it the long blonde hair, mm -hmm. feminine? I used to have a type and it mm -hmm. was long blonde hair, feminine, very petite type of females. I mean, I would, every time I would, you know, venture off into another type of female, I, I was always disappointed. And I really? remember... Yeah, I remember having a conversation with Sonny and we were walking at some point in the backyard and we were talking about the type of people that I was dating because <laughs> Sonny knew <laughs> he was like, bitch, <laughs> you need to just you need to find somebody else. I remember him telling me he's like, I can still tell that you're immature because you're still going after specific looks. He's like, when you grow up and become older, you're going to look for something that's deeper than just looks. Sure. And I was like, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> and, and everything. And then I met my wife, who's, she's a brunette. 
she's smart. I can have a conversation with her. So, you know, she, I can have an in-depth conversation with her to where, you know, some of these other girls, you couldn't. I mean, you start talking about history and they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't I, I missed that class. So it's crazy how things have just changed for me. And for I the better. Like, yeah. And I feel like I had to go through this really bad experience in order to appreciate it. So in order to grow. And that's kind of what had happened. Because Beth, man, she was she was a train wreck as far as everything that happened. I tried. I gave 110% to that relationship to make it so that it would work. And that would be from walking away from the, the prison to run the club that wasn't successful because she fired everybody that branded that place and she did that all because of ego you know because they were recognized for running that club she would never show up you know so the person that was the manager at the time would show up all the time everybody knew her so they were like oh gina yay you know and then all the crew and everything and so it was kind of almost like a brand and then wow. because of ego and nobody was paying attention, you know, to Beth because she would never show up. She got all pissed off and fired everybody. And then for me, I have this like thing to where I feel like I have to save everybody. And so it was like, you know, I'll go in, I'll help you, I'll save you, I'll do whatever I can, I'll run this. And then what you end up doing is you run yourself into the ground, you lose yourself plus everything else. That's kind of what happened with her. But I was so crazy about her in the beginning, you know, and then uh, when she decided to finally leave the person that she was dating, that's when things were just started to crumble. And that's when I, because now I'm spending all my time with it. And now I'm starting to see that there are all these flaws and everything. Some of the flaws were, you know, Mark, we go through training working at the prison. We go through forensic training for, you know, working with the mentally ill and stuff. So there's dating her when she's like, I got a secret to tell you. And I'm like, okay, well, what you got? She's like, you know, I'm a witch. And you're like, okay, what do you mean? And she's what? like, yeah, she believed that she was a witch. You never I, told me this. No. Mark, this woman was batshit crazy when I tell you when she was batshit crazy. She told me she was a witch. And I was like, what do you mean you're a witch? Like a good witch? Like Glenda the good witch? What? Yeah, what do you yeah. Mean? Glenda the good witch or like, like uh, the west side? And she's like, no. She's like, I am. I was like, are you Wiccan? Is it something that you do? And she's sure, like, no, sure. I am a witch. Decides that she's going to show me that she has. she had a broom. She had a cloak. She had a wand. And she had like a book of spells that she would cast on all her enemies. So all these people there had this other bar that it was another lesbian bar at some point that was competing with her. She had cast spells on them. Now, it's interesting because I remember back in college, I took a course and we talk about alternative religions and cults and different things. And one of the people that actually came in and spoke to us are people that were Wiccan they are considered witches and they were talking about how there's like a good side and a bad side and these people are good and casting a spell is like saying a prayer like for christianity 
and they really kind of broke it down. And I'm wondering if this person that you're talking about, does she even understand what Wiccan is? No, I don't believe she, she okay. does. Okay. She doesn't understand it. You know, I don't even honestly know where she's getting her information. But what she would tell me is that she would bind these people. So, you know, from what I kind of understand as far as Wiccan goes or anything, any spells that you put, if you're to put like a bad spell on something, there's a possibility it's going to come back on you. That's why people are always just doing a prayer and they're doing positivity and everything. Mm-hmm. But she would do like negative things. So she's like, I'm going to bind you so that you're not able to do this or you're not able to do that. And that's Mm. kind of this little world that she lived in. And as I'm starting to, you know, because at this point I had moved in and I moved into her big luxurious house that, you know, she only lived in the bedroom. I'm starting to like see all these red flags. Well, now they're, you know, not only are fucking red flags they're like red like sledgehammers hitting me upside the head (laughs) because apparently i can't take a subtle hint those were some red flags on that and then the ones that really got me were the point to where she would yell at me because i was falling asleep counting her money at the end of the night because i was so exhausted oh man And she was like, you should be up talking to me. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I just worked like 16 hours. I'm exhausted. I can barely stay awake. But she always had this energy. And then she would get up and she would like do stupid random craft projects in the middle of the night. Like she would take a Dremel and she would sand all the writing off of like a butter crock or whatever it is. Country crock thing those plastic things she, the, the, the would, brown tub of, of yeah. imitation butter because yeah she was gonna make something like that and so at some point i was like you know i don't understand where you're getting your energy and i don't understand what's going on and one day she decided to take her kid to school and i went through her closet and happened to come across some stuff and found out that that's where she was doing meth that was our biggest fight, and shortly after, that's when we decided to break up. Well, now you know where she gets her energy. Yeah, that's true. It's in a little package. So you can stay up for three days on end. Yes, but I felt bad because I was so stupid because I didn't understand it. I didn't see it clear back then. You know? Do you think that people don't see it because you just said, I'm so stupid, but a lot of times you don't want to believe that it could happen to you, especially because we're both in law enforcement. And one of the people I'm going to be talking about liked cocaine. One of the people that I dated. So I don't think it's stupidity, but you want to believe that this won't happen to you, that, you know, you're in law enforcement, you could recognize these issues and you would never fall in love with somebody that's got a drug problem. Oh my God. How could you, you work in the prison, but it can happen to anybody. Well, I think what it is is that, okay, we all have that vision of what somebody doing meth has. Mm -hmm. So that person that does meth, they don't have their teeth. You know, they have pits all over their skin from them picking and scabs and and shit like that. Well, Beth, she didn't have any of that. You know, she had great teeth and her skin was great. And she, you know, she didn't have any of that. So why would that come into my into my brain at that point Mm -hmm. i didn't Mm -hmm. think of anything of it 
one, the person that she was dating before worked in law enforcement. They had been dating for a long time. So if a cop doesn't know that, you know, they're not, that she's doing drugs. Her previous girlfriend had vetted her. Clearly she's been dating somebody that's law enforcement. So this would be perfect for me. Yeah. So it's obviously, you know, it's got to be something else. It's got to be like some mental issue. Mm-hmm. But then as you're talking to her, you start to realize that, wait, you're slightly paranoid because everybody was against her. Everybody was out to get her. So all the people that worked for her were always out to get her. At some point or another, they were all out to get her. You know, I just remember all the prides. I think we did two prides together. She got upset at some point because I actually kind of defended one of the bartenders because she thought that one of the bartenders was stealing from her. And I was like, no. And she's like, I can't believe you're defending this person. And I was like, well, it's because I was there. I know this person isn't stealing. It's because you got some fucked up equipment. You know, that was where some things definitely went wrong on that. I tell you, she was a handful once I found out that she was starting to do all the all the drugs and everything, that's when everything went bad. I kind of got out. We'd had some fights and we had some verbal fights. I remember she came at me to try to hit me and I just kind of stepped to the side and she bit the table. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny. Wow. I don't know. I don't know how I ended up getting myself in some pretty nasty situations with these women. God, she was probably the worst as far as I dated. Anytime you in, you date somebody that's involved in the drug scene, you just see how quickly shit goes off the rails. Yeah. And these people have this idea that they're still in control when they're not. And as the addiction grows, it gets greater than you. They get further and further off the rails. <laughs> if you're involved with them, you're just going to get used. You're just going to get destroyed. But we yeah. all live and learn. It sucks. Drugs is, you know, it's a no-go once you find out that they're into drugs. And there's been a couple that I've, in fact, there's one date the person used on the date. And I can't wait to tell you that story. But that's going to have to wait for next time, Barbie, because we're already at the end of this episode talking about the dating in gay relationships. We're going to have to continue this again, and I don't know if it's going to be two, three, four, five episodes, because I'm not a fraction of the way down my list. I'm not either. It goes, and there's just so many crazy things that have made (laughs) me who I am, who have made you who you are, but... I'm looking forward to hearing your stories, and I'm looking forward to telling you mine. I'm excited to tell you the time that I was proned out by police. Oh, we'll save that for next time. (laughs) I'm excited. I can't wait to hear. And I know that there was somebody that I was involved with when we were living together at one point, not in a romantic way, but um, I know you're excited to tell that story. And that's probably one of the stories that I'm cringing the most about. But you've been excited about that story for a while. And let's please save that for next time so I can learn to deal with what your perception of what happened that early morning was. Do you want me to send you pictures? No, thank you. I'm going I, to. I've... <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> so I'm going to end this podcast right now before anything comes through. And I'm going to tell everybody the same thing I tell you every week. And that is to be good. And if you can't be good, be good at it. And if you're sitting in prison, you're probably not good at it. Good night, everybody. 
and good night, Barbie. Thanks, Mark. I love you. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah.